Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. The beginning of the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, which means my God is king, and the name of his wife Naomi, which means pleasant. And the names of his two sons were Malon, which means sickly, and Kilion, which means frail. They were of the tribe of Ephraim, from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, which means 
bitter. For the Lord has done, dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We remember that Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Ruth said to her mother-in-law Naomi, Wherever you go, that is where I will go. Wherever you stay, that is where I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And wherever you will die, that is where I also will die and be buried with you. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see the musical Hamilton. The story of Alexander Hamilton, a young man born in the Caribbean, comes to New York to seek his fortune, becomes George Washington's chief of staff in the Revolutionary War, the key American founding father, the first secretary of the treasury. It's a true story. All the events described in the musical actually happened in the 1780s and 1790s up to Hamilton's death in 1804. But it's also obvious the play was not written in Hamilton's lifetime. The style of the music, it's rap music, for example, the diversity of the cast, all very clearly come from the 21st century, not from the 18th. And it's also pretty obvious that the specific events in Hamilton's life that were chosen to be included in the musical, the lens through which those stories are told, tell us just as much, if not more, about the questions we are asking about the meaning of our country and our history in the 21st century than they tell us about the history of the 18th century. A lot of the Bible is kind of like that, too. Stories of God's people are told and retold, and each time they give us not only information about the past, but they also shed light on the questions that the storytellers are asking in their present time. The book of Ruth tells a story that happened very early in Israel's history. At the end of this short book, we will learn, spoiler alert, uh, that Ruth will become the great-grandmother of King David. And that puts this story somewhere around 1100 B.C., maybe even a little earlier. And because it's the origin story of the royal family, it's a story that's like the story of Alexander Hamilton. It's a story that's remembered and retold down through the generations. But this particular telling of the story of Ruth, the one that we have in our Bibles, the one that we began to read in our worship this morning, this particular telling of the story actually comes from a much later time. It's written maybe around 450 or 400 years before Christ. 
by now the dynasty of King David has been ended by the Babylonians. The temple has been destroyed, the people carried off into exile. And by now many of those people have returned. The temple has been partially rebuilt, but things are not going well in Jerusalem. The people have gone through a profound disruption, and still things have not gotten back to normal. Perhaps we can relate to what they were going through. There was economic difficulty, disease. People felt disconnected, cut off from one another, from their identity as God's people. And in the book of Ezra, chapters 9 and 10 tell us the story of what happened next. We read there that the leaders came to the priest Ezra and told him what the problem was. The people of Israel have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands, the Canaanites, the Moabites, etc. They've taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves. So now let's make a covenant with God to send away all these foreign wives and their children. Let it be done according to the law that forbids such marriages. The book of Ezra goes on to list the names of dozens and dozens of families that were broken up as a result. Women cast aside, children disowned, because Hebrew men had married Moabite women. All this misery and suffering they thought was the price that had to be paid to get back God's favor, to build a wall around God's people, to separate them from all the impure peoples around them, like the Moabites. That's the way to make Israel great again. So the leaders of Israel thought. And it's in that context that someone remembered the old story, that the grandfather of King David was the child of a Hebrew father and a Moabite woman named Ruth. So if we're going to cast out all the Moabite wives and their children, well, there goes the family of King David, Israel's greatest king. There goes the family of the Messiah, the expected coming son of David, the one who will restore all things. And so they retold the ancient story of Ruth, the faithful Moabite woman, whose welcome and inclusion into the people of Israel was a source of great blessing and a window into the steadfast love and mercy of God. And so this became not just the retelling of a delightful ancient romance. It was a retelling to make a very specific point, that building walls, dividing families, excommunicating people, is not God's way and never was. And so we have this story of a family from Bethlehem, the city of David, the city where one day it was hoped the Messiah would be born. The story of Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, named Sickly and Frail. I'm not sure what their parents were thinking, giving their kids the names Sickly and Frail. These poor kids must have had a terrible time in middle school. Uh, anyway, um, as so often happens in the Middle East, uh, there's a famine, and the family becomes refugees. They head off to the country of Moab, which is today in what's part of Jordan, looking for a place that has food. And the good people of Moab 
are kind enough to take them in. Even after Elimelech dies, sickly and frail are strong enough to get married to local girls. They set down roots in this foreign land, but then both sickly and frail die as well, apparently without having had any children. And now, according to the customs of the time, Naomi is responsible to support and provide for her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. But Naomi is herself a widow, and she's a foreigner in the country of Moab. She has no way to provide for and support her daughters-in-law, and she sees no way forward for her life or for her family. But now the famine's over, so she decides it's time to go home back to Bethlehem. And at first, Orpah and Ruth join her on the way, but, and we'll see more of this in the chapters to come, Naomi is a strong and shrewd woman. She's thinking things through. On the one hand, her obligation, as people in those days understood it, is to support and protect her two daughters-in-law, who are now part of her family. It's her job to get them husbands who can give them children to take care of them in their old age, preferably other sons that she would have. But Naomi recognizes the time for her to do that is long since past. And she can't ask Orpah and Ruth to be widows and foreigners in a country that is not their own, when she, Naomi, is not going to have the means to support to protect them. And so Naomi tells them, you are going to be better off just going back to your own families of origin, staying with your own people, within your own stories, worshiping your gods. And Orpah reluctantly agrees that what Naomi says makes sense, and with many tears, she turns back to Moab to try to salvage something of her life back at home. But Ruth insists on staying with her mother-in-law, Naomi, no matter what. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, that's where I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Not even death can separate me from you. And to this day, Ruth's words are often read and sung at weddings. When people from different families, different stories, different places, sometimes different faith traditions, come together and make promises to one another out of love. And so I'm invited to become part of my partner's family, with all their personalities and quirks and idiosyncrasies, with all their stories and inside jokes, with all their foods and traditions, not because they're my stories, or I belong in them, but because someone in this family loves me. And my partner is likewise welcomed into my family with all of our dysfunction and weirdness and all of our joys and strengths. Because I've told them and vouched for them, this is the person that I love and brings me happiness, and they become part of my family too. And none of this is easy. I mean, if you've been married, even if you've had a relationship serious enough that it's time to meet the potential in-laws, you know this can get really awkward. They make movies about it, right? Uh, sometimes that awkwardness doesn't go away. But when it works, it's remarkable. 
just how strong the bonds can be between people who otherwise are very much unlike one another. When these bonds are brought into existence because people love each other. That's what Ruth wants. She wants to be drawn into Naomi's story, to be included in Naomi's people, to know Naomi's God. And in fact, it seems to me that Ruth actually knows Naomi's God better than Naomi does. Because at the end of today's reading, Naomi arrives home in Bethlehem, the city she left more than a decade ago with her husband, Elimelech, and her two boys hoping for a better life. Now she returns with only this strange young woman in tow. The people of the town recognize her. Naomi! Naomi, is that you? After all these years? And Naomi says, don't call me Naomi. My name is not pleasant. My name is bitter. I have lost everything I cared about. I've lost my husband. I've lost my two children. I've lost my hope of grandchildren. I've lost my self-respect. I am bitter about how the Lord has treated me. So, what's new with you? What have you been up to these last ten years? No, she doesn't say that. Which is a shame, because these are the people who stayed through the famine. They also, no doubt, suffered loss and hardship during those years. Who knows? Maybe they have even more reason to be bitter than Naomi does. But Naomi is too wrapped up in her own grief to see beyond it to someone else. But it's Ruth who has insisted against all reason and logic on sticking with Naomi. As if Ruth is the one who really understands how blessed are the poor in spirit. As if it's Ruth who knows that the meek and those who mourn in reality are blessed. It's Ruth who hopes that those who hunger and thirst for justice will have their fill. Somehow, maybe it was Naomi on a better day. Maybe it was poor old sickly or frail. Somewhere along the way, somebody helped Ruth to see that the God of Israel is the God of promise and hope and blessing. And Ruth has enough faith to believe that she can be included in this family of God. And the writer who retold the story of Ruth to the people in one time and place, and who retells the story of Ruth for us too, wants those people and wants us to know, yes, you may be bitter like Naomi. You may be overwhelmed by grief and loss. You may be trying to get back to a life and a time that you remember fondly, but that's gone forever. And you may feel that your only choice is to put up walls, find some other to blame for all your troubles. But the way of God is and always has been to tear down walls, to forge new communities and new connections, to welcome the widow and the stranger, and in that welcome find renewal and blessing and promise. The story of Ruth, this ancient tale of the Hebrew people, 
This is a story that we've been invited to share in. Because a member of Ruth's family, a direct descendant of Ruth, as it turns out, by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, this member of Ruth's family has invited us to make this story our own. Because of the love that Jesus has for us, we, like Ruth, have been invited into his family. May we also have the faith of Ruth. May we be bold enough to risk everything, to trust that in this family we will find a God of welcome and peace and blessing. That we will hear once again a story of walls coming down, strangers being welcomed. That our tears of bitterness will be turned into shouts of welcome and songs of celebration. Thanks for listening to our Epiphany Sermon Podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online, or if you're in Northern Virginia, in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review. It helps other people to find us. And please be on the lookout on Sunday, August 14th. We'll be starting a four-week sermon series on the Book of Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner and a widow who comes to find shelter and refuge among the people of Israel and becomes a source of blessing for the whole people. Her story helps us to imagine what it is to be a community of faith that includes especially those who some voices want to exclude, shame, and judge. We hope that you can be part of this special series starting Sunday, August the 14th. For more information about us, please visit our website at www.epiphanylutheran.org.